Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. How are y'all this morning? We're good. Can I share just a couple things that I saw in this while Keith was sharing ministry time? Um, I, I feel like the Lord said in the room that there's a new window opening here at Renew Life Church Lubbock. Um, in, in the middle of this new window, I believe that you're fixing to start encountering and experiencing uh, God's revelatory knowledge of Scripture in a way that you've never had it before. Um, n- not that it wasn't ever presented, you're gonna hear it in a way that it actually takes root instantly and it bears fruit instantly. Uh, I also, I feel like there's also uh, this, in this open window that, that I feel like the Lord has kind of opened in heaven uh, for Renew Life Church Lubbock. Uh, there's gonna be a, an, a knitting of hearts together in this room and even people that are normally here your hearts are going to be knitted to one another's faster than you've ever had them knitted in any other church atmosphere in your life i believe that he is producing and building uh, a unit of people here that are actually designed to shift the atmosphere of lubbock texas and i know this sounds cliche and you can choose to not believe me and that'll be on you or you can choose to believe me and you could actually be knitted to some people that will walk with you and you could actually shift the atmosphere of Lubbock, Texas. I'll let you make the decision with whatever you wanna do with that information. Um, but I believe that God is actually doing something unique and specific. Here's what I would tell you. Start inviting people. Not so that there's a lot of people here, so that Lubbock gets infected faster. I'm gonna say it again. So that Lubbock starts getting infected faster because he is coming back. <laughs> Do I have anybody that believes the Bible over on this side of the room? <laughs> you're, you're here too, I, I get it. No, I, I, just, I just saw this and I'm like, I have to say this, I feel there's an urgency to make sure that you're not just dipping your toes in the water of a new life church. That you're actually jumping in, getting fully immersed, fully submersed, in everything that you can. Find a home church when home church is open again. Find a place to serve when serving is open. It's open right now. Um, I'm plugging all of the things for Keith that he wouldn't normally do for himself. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm just telling you that I believe that God is opening a window, and if you need something in your life, get right underneath it. Amen? Uh, I want to share just, could I tag a couple things uh, that Keith said about Stephen? Uh, when he was talking, uh, I saw what I would I would describe as almost like a cartoon type of uh, magnetic pull. Like, like the Lord was, you, you know, like in, in even maybe even movies, like those massive magnets that are on cranes, and it literally just starts pulling everything that's metal. It just li- you can't hold on tight enough. And it's literally just getting sucked up and it's getting attracted to it. I feel like that's what the Lord is about to do um, with Stephen. And uh, Christy, I, I saw the Lord delivering you a bunch of, of unopened um, clamshells, and in every one was a new pearl, and every one was a, a, a new layer of treasure that the Lord wants to reveal to you, and um, they are treasures of, of his, but he wants you to enjoy them. And so uh, I just would bless you with that too, so I felt the Lord kind of push me in those directions, so I figured I'd better not walk off not saying them because then I have to deal with that on the drive home and I don't want to deal with that. 
Anyways, um, let's pray, <laughs> and then we'll, um, we'll see what happens. Father, I thank you for all the things that have already taken place in this room and in this, this building, and I pray, Father, that uh, you would just continue, that your, your plans and your purposes would go forth uh, in this uh, message and this time that we have together, God, that you would uh, anoint us as hearers of the word and then also doers, that you would anoint me as a person who is a mouthpiece of yours, that I would hear um, the voice of God, your voice, and that I would share those things that you would have me share. I pray that together we're moving forward and we're pressing on towards the goal, that together we're actually becoming more of who you've designed us to be. We thank you for these things. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We pray these things. We receive them in your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can flip over there. I'm going to start in verse 4. And I'm going to dive into this. Um, But it says this, uh, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. I love this. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them that we should walk in them. This morning, it's imperative that we all understand something. There's nothing good in any of our lives that, not, did, that did not originate from grace. There's nothing in your life that didn't originate from grace. Anything that makes you happy, anything that brings you any kind of joy, anything that, that works in your favor, your, your possessions, your health, your relationships, your success in your job, they all come from his grace. Everything good in your life is from God's grace. Amen? Everything. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, and he was talking about how he was the least of the apostles because of the way that he treated the Christians. He said this, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. He's thinking like, of all of the things that I've done, they should assign me a certain type of punishment. Then he says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I would tell you this morning that you might have been a a drug addict, or you might have been strung out, or you might have been loose with your lips, or you might have been this, or you might have been that. This morning, if you are a born again, put all of your trust in Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of the Most High. By the grace of God, you are what you are today. Amen? You're the redeemed of the Lord is what the word says. You are the head, you're not the tail. You're above only, you're not beneath. Everything good about you is God and it's his grace. Amen? I love this. The only alternative to grace is this. It's self-effort. Uh-oh. In other words, we're talking about, we've been, I've been talking for, for quite a while about the law and grace. But the only alternative to grace is literally self-effort. In other words, we have this mindset that I made this happen. 
It was my hard work, it was my dedication, it was my effort, it was my constant knocking on doors that made my, my business a success. It was, uh, I worked really hard for this, I plowed through all of this, I earned all that I have in my life. The only alternative to grace is self-effort. And if that is your mentality, I would tell you this, watch it, hot rod. <laughs> Not so fast. If you're not careful, like most hot rods, they all run out of gas, and then at the end of the day, your, your ride is clean, but your gas tank is on empty. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that lady. No scrubs. Amen? No scrubs. You ever met a person in your life that just, like, take things way too far? Like Keith? You got one of those. He's great. He's great at this. If you, if, you can't, if you chant his name three times, he will probably do something that you would call that's way too far. They are the kind of people that laugh like too long at a joke that's really not that funny, or they laugh like way loud at something that's just not, not supposed to be laughed at like that. They, they scream too much at the TV uh, during sporting events or politics. Um, they freaked out. Well, I'm not gonna go there. Um, they, 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 they crack or joke on someone so much that it becomes a roasting, or they're, they're the kind of people that they sneeze so loud that it sounds like they're getting delivered from a demon. <laughs> like, I might be one of those people. I get delivered every single time I sneeze. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but there are people in our lives that we see that they just like take things way, way, way too far. We've all been those kinds of people. And when I was thinking about people that, take things too far because the message to topic today is how far is too far. Uh, I was even thinking about Christians and like just the way that we are, the way that some of us are. For example, Christian t-shirts. This is just too far. It's just too far. For example, I'll let you listen and you judge for yourself. This is on a shirt. I got 99 problems, but my faith ain't one. That's just too much. First of all, what Christian even knows the lyrics to the original song that they stole that from? Most of us. You gotta be careful, you gotta, you gotta read that word, faith, so that you don't say that other word that's actually in the song. Inspired by a ketchup bottle. Ketchup with Jesus. Blessed from my head to my toes. It's like, no, that's it's too much. Inspired by a mayonnaise label. <laughs> oh my gosh. First of all, you don't eat real mayonnaise. That's not what it says. Uh, that was my own thing. Uh, may your light shine for Jesus. Spread it around. Like it's just, we're all laughing because we're all saying the same thing. This is just too far. This is too much. And to add to all of this, too much, like there's stuff in the scriptures that are just like, Jesus, that's way, that's too big of an ask. God, that's, that's way, 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 way over the top. That's asking too much. And, and I want to look in one of these stories today in Genesis chapter 22. This is just kind of one of those stories like, man, God, that's just, you got to draw the line somewhere. Genesis chapter 22, famous, we know this, uh, says sometimes later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. 
Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God told him about. Now, I, I would stop here for a moment. I gotta say a few things. If, if I'm Abraham, I'm, I'm not excited about what God is asking me, obviously. Like, I, I'm putting the brakes on. Uh, I've got this, this, this thing in me that I can promise you probably that I wouldn't have woke up the next morning, chopped the wood, and got all the things ready for the, for the offering, for the fire. Uh, God is asking Abraham, in my estimation, of something that has gone too far. This is how we would read this. Uh, I'm only probably saying what you think when you read something like this in Scripture. He's asking Abraham um, of too much. Second of all, it, it would appear that in this moment that Abraham is actually falling for this, this thing that God's asking him that seems to be such an overreaching asking question. I, I'm like, are you kidding me? You would kill your only son. Bro, you have to draw, you gotta draw the line. As I look at this story, there are several things that popped up. The first thing was this. What God was asking Abraham to do, obviously, huge thing here, revelation coming. Obviously, this didn't make sense. I know that's really deep. But we have to notice this. In so many times in our lives, the things that God say that are best for us are the things that don't make sense to us. If you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you're probably have been asked or you should expect to be asked to do something that makes absolutely no sense. It is not logical. You, you, it's not sensible. You can't put uh, any sort of thought into it that make it, makes it rational. It seems completely outrageous. Those things are going to happen as a follower, and it's happening in this moment to Abraham. Kenneth Hagin, he's old school. You should watch some of his videos. It's, it's wild, and he's got some stories of like, Man, I'm pretty sure, God, that was, that's too far. Like this one meeting where all, all these people, he had all these people come up to the stage that had back problems. <laughs> and the Lord said, make them lay down on the ground, face down. So they, they lay down, old, young, all, all the like. And he says, now I want you to just run across their backs like stepping stones, and I'll heal them. That's too far. How many of y'all are willing to come down here and let me run on top of your back? I'm probably not doing that. Just hopscotch. Uh, another time, this older lady came up for prayer. She had cancer. She had stomach cancer. And the Lord told her, told him, this is how he says this, punch her in the stomach. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And all of us are the same. Like, that's too far. He punched her in the stomach. She got healed. Anyways, whatever. Lord, don't call me to punch people in the stomach for healing. Like, just let me lay hands on a different way. He was like five-fold ministry. I'm fixing to come with it. In Scripture, Luke chapter 6, 27 and 28, this, is, this seems way too far for us. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, this is Jesus speaking, love your enemies. Too far. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. 
It doesn't make sense. Why, why would I do that? This is illogical. This, doesn't, this is irrational. I have to defend myself. Against someone who is my enemy, I have to defend myself. This is our thought process. If I don't, who will? I have to take a stand. I have to let them know that they're wrong. If I don't, how many of y'all have this? If I don't set them straight, then who will? He says, love your enemies. That doesn't make sense. Too much. Jesus, one of the things that I've always heard about Jesus is that he didn't come to make sense, but he came to make faith. And oftentimes the things that are the best for us in our life, they actually don't make sense. Some things that make the least amount of sense can produce the greatest amount of blessing and fulfillment in your life. The other thing that I saw in this with Abraham was obviously this wasn't normal. Normal people, FYI, newsflash, they don't sacrifice their kids. Glad we got that out of the way. Uh, But the point is, in this situation, is faith will require you to often do things that won't seem normal to the people that are around you. This means that oftentimes in the life of faith, you're going to be the odd one. You're like, great, I've always been odd. This is a reason for me to be more odd. You're always going to be, you're probably going to be the odd one. You're going to be considered different when you're living a life of faith. I remember after getting saved, I, I, I lived one way that was way on this di- in this ditch, and then I got saved, and then I feel like I went pretty far the other way, and it was, all, it was all good. But I remember, I think maybe my first New Year's Eve or New Year's Day uh, dinner with my family after getting saved, you know, you eat black-eyed peas, because if you don't, you know, like, it's going to be a bad year. That's what I heard. That's what I was trained and so this one year, I was like, I was just feeling resistant. Not having black eyed peas this year. What? Do you know, literally, like, you know what's going to happen, right? I'm like, yeah, I got faith, though. I got Jesus. Like, I'm being different, right? Obviously, odd man out. This is really elementary example. But, like, you're going to, you're going to be asked of of to do things that are gonna cause some resistance. I remember in my own life being a, a Christian who is a first generation Christian on my dad's side of the family. Uh, the majority of my dad's family are, are, are atheists. Um, in fact, I just learned um, that my, one of my first cousins on my dad's side, my, my uncle's son, he actually just gave his life to Jesus. I, from my understanding, we're the only two males on the whole psych side of the family that um, that gave their life to the Lord this far. My dad is having dreams that I believe are 100% from God, and he's asking me, what do these mean? And I'm like, Dad, they're, they're from the Lord. They're actually for you. Um, but I remember uh, being at, a, at a, a function at my dad's house, and I was reading like most Christians do when they get saved. I don't know if they still do this, but I did. Uh, I was reading uh, Purpose Driven Life. And uh, I had my Bible open, I had my book open, I was doing my daily thing, and my uncle walks in, he's like, you believe that crap? And I'm like, okay, this is my, I'm going to have to be different in this moment. And so I'm like, 100% I do. And I don't believe it's crap, but I believe, I believe all of this. He was like, oh, 
you know, I, I read the Bible two times all the way through while I was in prison. It's like, well, you had a lot of time, so maybe you did. He's like, I, I, I just don't believe that any of it was accurate. I don't believe any of it was true. And he said, I just can't put my faith in something that a man would, that, that a man would write. I was like, oh, okay. And I think it was the Spirit of the Lord that came over me. It's to be determined. But I said, you, you pride yourself in being pretty, like, knowledgeable. You're, you're pretty sharp. You're a smart guy. Love history, science, math. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty knowledgeable. He's kind of got some arrogance in him. And uh, I'm like, man, that's, that's awesome. Who wrote those books? He's like, well, starts spouting off some names. I'm like, oh, are those men? Yeah, they are. I was like, oh, so what you're saying is, since you don't put your trust in anything that a man wrote, you know nothing in this conversation is 100% meaningless. And that was the end of the conversation. And I don't know if that was arrogance or if that was the spirit of the Lord, but I was different in the moment. Uh, what I'm saying is, you're going to be caused, you're, you're going to have some moments where you're going to be uh, invited to actually live in a way where you're going to do some things that are odd. And you're going to be invited to do some things where the Lord is like, how far are you willing to go? Um, my question in some of this is, is, when did serving God become a thing that is about being normal? Uh, we dress a certain way, we talk a certain way, we, we, we build our churches a certain way, we do lighting a certain way, we, we attract things, we do all these things so that hopefully we're as normal as we can for the people that are walking in that are normal. I know I'm pushing on some buttons and I'm even talking about our own church. It's fine. We're doing all the things that we know how to do to follow the Lord. But it's like, at what point did following God become us being normal? Because normal, in my estimation, says that I should accept the fact that my family should deal with the flu once a year because it's flu season. Normal tells me, if I pay attention long enough, that my teenagers are going to deal with premarital uh, uh, sex, and they're probably going to experience with drugs because that's what normal teens do. I've heard it said so many times, kids are going to be kids. No, they're not. It's a lie. A hundred percent a lie. We do the things that we know we can get away with. It's not normal. Struggling to make uh, ends meet financially, oh, that's just the norm. It doesn't have to be. It's not the way that he designed it. A marriage. Oh, man, yeah, just got married. Man, shoot. First five years, it's going to be the roughest. Why? Who said? My, my expectation of a healthy marriage was if it made it to 11 years, because that's what my parents made it to. My goal in my marriage was, and I had this for so long, if I could just make it to 11 years, it would have been successful. That's not normal. It's not normal to think that I, I could actually experience something that's way better. I should be accepting abnormal. I should be uh, experimenting and uh, expecting supernatural. You'll never experience this. You'll never experience abnormal results in your life if you're overly concerned with being normal. I'm gonna say it again just for the people in the back. You'll never experience abnormal results in your life 
if you're overly concerned about being normal. Get weird. This is your invitation. Bump your neighbor and say, faith isn't normal. Okay, say it like you mean it. Faith isn't normal. Now give them permission. Get weird. First uh, Peter 2, 9, it's, it calls us a peculiar people, which means that we're just weird. All right, let's go back to our story. I'm, I'm running out of time. It's fun. Genesis chapter 22. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw a place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. I love those words because... I want you to notice what faith actually sounds like because it sounds like something. He says, and then we will come right back to you. He was totally, Abraham was totally expecting all of this to work out in his favor because that's what faith does. He wasn't nervous about telling the hired servants, his men, about his expectation of God. You ever had something burning so deep on the inside of you that you're like, there's no way that anybody would believe that this is God, so I'm not going to say anything about it? But actually, the thing that you need is someone's agreement so that it might actually go into operation in your life. Faith is not afraid to share the weird and the crazy, odd things that God is speaking to you. In fact, you probably need to share those with someone so that they might help you discern that's God and actually that's not. Faith is not willing or it's resistant to keeping the things on the inside of you that he's speaking uh, silent. Authentic faith produces words of faith. Faith uh, doesn't sound like I doubt God's going to provide a sacrifice in the place of my son. Faith doesn't sound like I'm not going to get that raise this year. That's not faith. Faith doesn't sound like my husband's never going to start coming to church with me because he never has. Faith doesn't sound like there's no hope for my lost loved one. That's not what faith sounds like. Faith says when we get back because I know that God will and I know that God can. Faith is not silent. Faith boldly proclaims what God has promised, even when it can't be seen. Romans chapter four, verse 17, this is paraphrased. It says, call those things that are not as though they were. Listen to this. For Abraham in this moment, if Isaac was a promise from God, he is saying, no matter what, no matter the limitations, no matter the ask, no matter how far God goes, I'm going to have the thing that he promised me. And I would wonder in your life, where have you allowed faith to stop? And you said, you know, that thing that you promised me, God, I actually gave up on that. That word that you prophesied over me, when so-and-so spoke that thing over me, I actually, I, I don't even know if that promise is gonna come true in my life. Faith does not sound that way. Faith says, no, 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 no. When we come back, I'm going to always and forever obtain the promise that God has made to me. That's exactly what he's saying in this moment. 
How far are you willing to go when God asks you of something that seems to be too much? And can you keep your eyes on the promise because he who promised it, he is faithful. If God said he would bless everything that I put my hands to, then I'm expecting. I'm not cursing my bonus. I'm expecting it. If God said that he would bless everything that I put my hands to, I'm not doubting that someone gets healed. I'm expecting it. If God said that he would bless everything that I put my hands to, I'm not denying my promotion. I'm expecting it. I am going to have the breakthrough that God said I could have in my life because he has set me apart for his purposes. And my faith is in what one man Jesus did for me, not what I can do through my own works. If God said I could speak to the mountain, then I speak to that husband. I speak to that wife. I speak to that family member. You come to the house of God. You are on your way. He is on his way. The magnetic pull, it can't be stopped from the Father. He is on his way. Like he will have everlasting life. He will be the Father that he's designed to be. That is what faith sounds like. Authentic faith. It, it speaks and it shifts. Let's go back to our story just for a moment. So Abraham placed the wood on the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abram and said, Father. Jeez. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood. And the boy said, but where is this? Where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Still full of faith. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied, to, tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in it by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place Yahweh, I might mess this up, Yaira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On this mountain, the Lord will, I'm sorry, on this mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I want to close with this. What will the mountain that you're on right now be remembered as? Will it be remembered as on this mountain the Lord provided? Or will it be that's just another mountain in the distance when I gave up on the promise because what he asked was too much?
everything that you have and everything that I have and that we'll ever need to succeed and be happy in this life was provided by Jesus on the cross. It's up to us to engage faith and receive those things by faith. How far are you willing to go? Are you willing to do things that seem like you're taking it too far? And will it be said of you by your children and by your children's children that there's so many mountains in my family's life where the Lord provided because they never gave up on his promise? Faith says something. What are you saying? Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.